Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. Your Bible's up, and uh, Vision Series is, uh, I'm in Habakkuk, by the way, Habakkuk, so go ahead and go to the table of contents if you don't know where that is. Uh, Habakkuk uh, in the Old Testament, a minor prophet in the Old Testament is where I'll be. Vision messages are probably some of my favorite to preach. I like preaching. This is my 24th year of preaching the gospel uh, vocationally, and I enjoy, this is probably the part of my job I enjoy the most, is opening God's Word with you and uh, being able to teach and preach God's Word to you. And uh, there's a variety of things I enjoy preaching. This is probably one of my top three or four things I like to preach about, and that's vision. But... Uh, it also is the hard, one of the hardest things that I do. Uh, the next month to be easy because it's a, it's a need everybody has. It's a subject everybody's interested in. It's something everybody's dealing with. Brandy and I, in our home, we're, we're talking through mental health and emotional health and stability and all of that. So it's easy to do that. But vision messages are different because a lot of people don't know that you, and you don't see the need for Uh, talking about vision in your life. But here's the truth. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down anyway. Vision leaks. This is good, by the way, if you're a business leader today, if you're a leader in a company, if you own a business today, uh, you can take all of this for free. I'm not going to charge you for any of this, and you you can teach this to your staff and teams. But vision leaks. Vision leaks. Vision leaks. Vision has a way... Of leaking, Brandy and I bought uh, an older home uh, recently, and uh, we had uh, some remodeling done. And in the remodeling process uh, of our home, uh, there was a leak found in the back of a wall. It was it's an older home, and and so it happened. We walked in one day, and we kind of saw this happening. And we went when you go investigate, you couldn't see it anywhere. There was no water pooling anywhere. The upstairs uh, was where it was coming down through the uh, ceiling of the downstairs, and. You couldn't find it. Uh, we couldn't, like, you know, find water anywhere. And then the longer that our contractor looked, we realized it was in the walls. That it had, it was a slow leak. And vision has a, a, a propensity to slowly leak out of your life. You, you probably wouldn't say, no, I've lost all the vision for my life. You would just be able to look around your life and think, man, it's just very slowly life has pulled away from me vision for the future. Say amen to that. In your life, in your marriage, in your calling, in your purpose. And in our church, vision has a tendency to leak out of any crevice and crack that is in those areas of your life. And if you've been married longer than about two weeks, you know this, that vision will leak out of your marriage and you get into maintenance mode. Am I right, everybody? You just get into, we got to pay these bills. We got to raise these bad kids. I don't even want them. I don't even like them. We got to keep doing this. The money, the bills keep coming, the mortgage keeps coming, we just keep doing this. And before long, you're maintaining life, and you don't have vision for what's next in your life. Say amen to that. It's true in your parenting. If you don't have vision, uh, it, it will leak. If, if you don't, if there's Vision will leak out of your personal, spiritual life, out of your prayer life. If you don't have vision, you always hit the mark. I'm always amazed at people when I ask them, what's the vision that God has given you? What vision do you have in your life? Tell me about the vision for your company or the vision for your marriage or the vision for your children or for your family. And then they'll kind of make something up on the spot. Here's the thing about that. If you don't have any vision, you'll never miss, but you'll never win. 
So you'll pull the arrow of your life back and you'll and you'll and the arrow will fly from your bow and it will hit the wall and then you walk up to the wall and draw a bullseye. Well, you never miss, but that's not winning. And some people live their whole lives pulling the arrow of their life back going, I'm not sure, I'll just and then it hits the wall and then you walk up and go, "Oh, look, bullseye." <laughs> well, that wasn't vision. That's just you trying to make it up. Let me give it to you in God's Word. Habakkuk, the second chapter. Did you ever find it in your Bible? Habakkuk? You didn't. Most of you are looking at the screen waiting on them. Habakkuk, second chapter, verse 2. The Bible says this. Then the Lord answered me. This is Habakkuk. The prophet Habakkuk goes to God. And the Lord answered him and said, write the, everybody say the next word. Write the what? Write the vision and make it what? Write the vision and make it plain on tablets. Let me pause here. Not in my message, but I need to tell you, if you keep making the vision on paper, you can keep scrapping it and starting over. And at some point in your life, you're going to realize you can't make progress if you keep starting over. That is good, isn't it, Aaron? Thank you for being here. Nobody else is going to amen me. Stay with me all day long. If you'll write it on tablets, you got to do it. If you write it on paper, you can scrap that and start all over again. And some, for some of us, maybe not y'all, maybe this is messages for second service. But for some people in, in th- th- that I know in, in Christianity, you end up starting over, over and over and over and over and over again. And you never make progress in your life. And Habakkuk, God tells Habakkuk, I want you to write the vision, make it plain and put it on tablets that he may run who reads it. Verse 3, for the vision is yet to be... a For an appointed time, it's yet for an appointed, it's in the future. But at the end it will speak and it will not what? And will not lie. And it may take a while. It may take a while. Let me talk to single people. It may take a while. Let me talk to married people asking God for breakthrough in your marriage. It may take a while. Let me talk to would-be moms and dads. It may take a while. It may tarry, though it tarries, wait for it because it will everybody say surely come it will surely come it will not tear God is saying you will arrive at the vision you have if you write it down make it plain put it in stone and make it easy for somebody to run with it you will get there the there's a principle in God's word that God will answer the Bible says that there is breakthrough coming in your life if you'll run and not get Weary. There's something about just keeping on. The longer I do what I do, the more I'm convinced that most of spirituality and faith is just continuing on. It's just one foot in front of the next. It's just getting up tomorrow and saying, I'm going to stay with it. I'm going to stick with it. I'm not giving up. We're not walking out on this. I'm not filing for divorce. I'm not closing the business. I'm not kicking these kids out. I'm not leaving church. I'm not walking away from faith. You can count on me to be here next Sunday because God is going to move in my life. Say amen to that. Just sticking it out. Just staying with it. If you have vision for a healthy marriage, listen, you will fight through the hard seasons and you will make it. Can I talk to married couples? Matter of fact, I'll talk above married couples. Let me talk to the principality and power of divorce. We have made it far too easy to throw in the towel. Look at me. It's hard to live with other people. It's hard to live with slobby old men. It's hard to live. Keep looking straight ahead. It's hard to live with nagging women. Matter of fact, this book said. Did someone just say? 
Somebody needs a ride over here. That brother ain't going home the way he came. <laughs> I don't know who you are, sir, but <laughs> there's an altar call. I fear for your life. The book says, here's what I'm just telling you what the Bible says. The book said, a quarrelsome woman's like a dripping faucet. Do not say amen to that. Just giving you what the Bible says. It's hard. Who told you marriage was going to be easy? There's something about just sticking with it. And if you have vision for getting... Brandy and I do not talk about what it's like to be in our mid-40s and raise pre-teenagers. That's where we are. We talk about what it's going to be like in our 60s when I'm not doing this right here every Sunday. And I'm on a beach somewhere with really short shorts and long tube socks riding my golf cart around telling people to stay off of my lawn. Why? Because I get through this season by having vision for that season. And we fight for us. Are y'all with me, everybody? You gotta have vision for it. If you gotta if you have vision for a vibrant spiritual life, you will arrive there if you just keep moving forward. But if you have to restart your spiritual life every three months. You get on fire for God and then you back off for three months and then you get on fire for God and you back off for six months and you get on fire for God. You just keep starting over. You don't have vision for. There are many Sundays over the last 40 some odd years of my life that I've come to God's house over the last two decades of ministry. I've come to God's house. I didn't feel nothing. And I showed up the next Sunday because I got vision for my spiritual life, and you just keep moving forward. If you have vision for your children, you, you, don't, don't talk about what you kids are now. Have vision for who you see them to be in the future. Speak to their future, everybody. Speak to the call of God on their life. I'm raising world changers. I'm raising worship leaders. I'm raising evangelists and missionaries and prophets in my home. I'm, I, God's blessing them. I'm talking to my grandchildren. Hold the old preacher one time say that grandchildren are God's gift for you not killing your kids. Is that true? So if you just hold on, there's better ones coming. You know what I mean? There's just you got to have vision for it. City Hills has vision. We will reap a harvest. You listen to me. Hear me. I want you to hear me and I want the devil to hear me. This will be a vibrant, life-giving Spirit-filled, multi-campus, thousands of people, promised harvest, revival church. This will be a revival church. This will be an on-fire, praying, worshiping, miracle-seeking church. I've got vision. for. Are we there yet? We actually are. We're walking into harvest right now. Matter of fact, the word of the Lord came to us on Wednesday night of revival. If you weren't here you just missed it because we didn't broadcast it. But God spoke a word to us. This is the beginning. The drought is over and the rain is falling in Jesus' name. Say amen to that. God has vision for your life even if you don't. God's a God of order. He's a God of steps. You look at creation. There's order and there's steps. God creates an order. And then there's evening and then there's morning. It's steps. It's order and steps. God has order and steps in the tabernacle, in the temple. There's order and steps. You've got to build it by the right dimensions, the right utensils. When you go to worship, there's order and steps. And God has order and steps for your life. Whether you have a vision for your life or not, God has a vision for your life. As a matter of fact, I want to give them to you. If you're taking notes, write these down. 
God has a vision for your life that you know God. Write it, write it down just like that. That you know God. Not that you know about God, but that you know God. That you have a vibrant, life-giving, spirit-empowered, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That you know God. That you know God in the power of His Spirit. That you know God in the fellowship of His sufferings. That you know Him in the power of His resurrection. That you know God. God knows you, but He wants you to know Him. He wants an intimate relationship with you. A walking, talking, life-giving, praying, worshiping relationship with you. God wants to know you and He wants you to know Him. There's vision. If you don't have vision for your life, let me give you God's vision for your life. It's that you know God. It's the first thing. Nothing else in life will make sense if you don't have a vibrant relationship with God. Nothing else in life will add up if you don't know God. Nothing else in life will come into order unless this comes into order first. You got to know God. Say amen to that. Shout know God. Shout know God. I want you to know God in your heart. The second thing, this is divine order by the way. If you get them out of order, you'll be confused. Spiritual frustration comes from doing God's things out of God's timing and order. That was better than you said amen to. Spiritual frustration comes by doing God's things out of God's timing and order. How many of you have forced a good thing too early and it ended up being a bad thing? Are you all with me on this? Why? It's not that God didn't want it for you. It's that timing and order matter to God. The second thing, God, the vision that God has for your life is that you find freedom. Everybody shout, find freedom. Shout, find freedom. It's not enough for you to just be saved. You need to be free from the stuff that has bound your life. I've met a ton of saved people who still are bound to addictions, struggles, hurts, habits, hang-ups, things in their lives, strongholds, stuff they can't let go of, anger, frustration, childhood hurt, trauma, family of origin things. You say, well, I thought when I got saved, all that happened. No, that didn't happen. When you got saved, your spirit got born again. It will live forever in eternity with the Lord. But you still got to deal with your issues. That's called sanctification. I'm preaching doctrine to you now. That's called sanctification. It's the ongoing process of freedom in your life. Another word is deliverance. It's deliverance in your life. It's freedom from things in your life. And I think the best way for you to find freedom is that you get around the right people who encourage your freedom and not encourage your bondage. Because some people are invested in you staying bound to the old way that you used to do it. And God is interested in your freedom so that he can open up the future and the destiny he has in your life. Say amen to that. I think the best way to do it is in a small group. As a matter of fact, that's why next week we launch a whole new semester of small groups. I think it's the greatest thing we do. We've had thousands of small groups. Thousands of people go through small groups. Hundreds of small group leaders. And next week we launch a whole new semester. And this year... Uh, We're doing something totally different, and I want to teach it to you and tell you why. There's actually two kinds of small groups you can lead starting next Sunday. You can lead what we call a community small group. This is traditionally how we've always led small groups. They're free market. Anything can be a group. Your life is your group. You can have coffee with friends. That's a small group. You can eat dinner out. That's just People ask me in the lobby all the time, Pastor, can I take you to lunch? Look at me. I haven't missed a lot of lunches. Take me to lunch. Take some other people and it's a small group. Say amen to that. Golf is a small group. Pickleball is a small group. Walking. They're actually people who walk for fun. They go nowhere. They just walk. Get some other believers together and walk for Jesus. (laughs) 
You can lead us. Matter of fact, about 10 of you need to lead a community small group. Just something that you're already doing. If you're already going to the playground every Tuesday with your preschooler, invite five other moms to go to the playground with you with your preschooler. It's a small group. You can do life together. You can find, you say, well, pastor, how's that freeing me? I'll tell you how, because something's going to come up at that playground when you're struggling in your marriage, and at some point, you're going to take the mask off and go, ladies, I need prayer, and then ministry happens, freedom happens. Are you with me? Here's the second thing. This is brand new. This is what's been on my heart all year long that I couldn't wait till this semester to tell you, is we're launching a whole other side of small groups we're calling courses. It's brand new this semester, and I want to help you mature as a disciple. As a matter of fact, next week we're launching a curriculum called Rooted. Rooted is an international ministry, an international curriculum written actually by a church in Asia. They used it, uh, and in Africa, they used it to to disciple tens of thousands of people uh, around Africa and around Asia. And there's a church in Southern California that adapted that, and they have used it to, to disciple tens of thousands of people around America now. It helps you know what you believe and why you believe. It helps you grow your faith. It helps you know the Bible. It helps you understand God's Word. It helps you understand some core theology. Listen, the time is coming, and maybe it already is, when everything will be challenged in your life. You have to know why you believe what you believe. Say amen to that. I want to help you that way. I want to help you be a disciple. Because listen to me. Look into my eyes. If all you do is play pickleball here, and you don't become a disciple of Jesus, I have to answer to God for that. Now, I want you to play pickleball because I think if you play pickleball with the right people, that God will use it to bring freedom in your life. But it can't be the only thing that brings freedom to your life. I think today, about 50 or 75 of you need to sign up for a rooted group because you don't know why you believe what you believe. You've never had core foundational doctrines. A couple of generations ago, we had Sunday school. You remember this? I didn't even like Monday school. I sure didn't like Sunday school, but... But, but listen, there's something about your grandparents were rooted and grounded in the faith that you and I may not have gotten, and we need that. Can I get a better amen, everybody? So I want you to host, lead a rooted group, or I want you to join one. I want you to join one. Maybe it's time, write this down, maybe it's time to move from an admirer of Jesus to a disciple of Jesus. Maybe it's time you just quit coming to church. And saying you're a cultural Christian and actually be a disciple. Say amen to that, everybody. You can do that in a small group. I think today would be great. Matter of fact, I think you'll scan that QR code while I'm continuing to preach. And you can say, sign me up. I want to lead one of these groups. Some of you, God's calling you. Listen, if you've been to a group here three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ten semesters, look at my eyes. Lead a group. Get. We used to say it like this. I'm from eastern Arkansas. Get off your hide. I don't know where your hide is. But get off your hide and lead a group. Don't keep being a consumer and start being a contributor. If you're already a disciple, you need to be a disciple maker. Say amen to that. You need to start leading your group. That's better than you, uh, uh, amen. But second service, I got good hopes. Know God, find freedom. Here's the third thing, God's vision for your life, that you discover purpose. Shout discover purpose. There's a second life message that I have after vision. It's discovering the purpose of God in your life. You were made on purpose and for a purpose. The great Mark Twain said the two greatest days of your life are the day that you're born and the day that you discover why you were born. The day that you're put on this earth and then the day that that light bulb goes off above your head that goes, I'm not on this earth just to make money. I'm not on this earth to buy boats. I'm not on this earth to buy ranches. I'm not here to pay bills. I'm not even here to have kids and keep propagating our family name. I'm here 
for a purpose, that God created me with passions and God created me with gifts and talents and I got to do something with my life. Say amen to that. And if you'll do that, if you'll come to know God in a vibrant, life-giving, spirit-empowered relationship with God, and if you'll deal with your issues in a small group and find freedom in your life, and if you will go through what we call a growth track or our next steps, if if you'll allow us to help you discover the purpose of God and how God designed you and your gifts and talents, if you'll do all of that, then the best part of Christianity happens after all of that. The best part of Christianity on this earth, not in heaven, but on this earth, the best, the John 10, 10 abundant life that Jesus promised does not happen when you know God. It doesn't happen when you find freedom. It doesn't even happen when you discover purpose. Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs says that the highest need of humankind is that it's transcendence. It's that you realize that my life is more than this life. We say that you make a difference, that you make a difference with your life that you use what God designed you to do to make a difference. If you've been married 25 years and you still kind of like each other, help other young couples who don't know if they still like each other. Make a difference with your life. If you've started a business, find you a couple of other guys who need to start and and, and they're 20-somethings and they're coming up. Help them make a difference. If God's given you a talent to play a musical instrument, why would you sit out there and strum a fake guitar when there's real guitars right up here? It is true, isn't it? If you're a good singer, I am not. If you are, that's a prerequisite, by the way, to being on the worship team. But if you're a good singer, why would you sing out there? Why don't you get up here? You need to make a difference with your life. Your life is not just consuming and about me. You need to have vision for your life. And when you have vision that you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference, guess what happens? God's church moves forward. When life, listen to me, when lives move forward, God's church moves forward. And this church needs you. We need you. Don't ever, if you've ever thought, man, they don't need me. They got plenty. Look into my eyes. We need you to do what only you can do. We need to start a third service this fall. God is blessing our church in tremendous ways. We need to start a third service. I don't know when it'll been. I don't know if it'll be early. I don't know if it'll be late. I don't know if it'll be Saturday night. I don't know what we're going to do. But we got to have a dream team to pull it off. A whole nother worship team. More kids workers, greeters, production, camera operators, small group leaders. we got to have a whole nother dream team to start a third service. And some of you have been coming to this church for years and sitting back and just consuming. And I'm asking you, maybe it's time that you have vision for your own life. That you do something with your life. We need to launch team. We will not be a single campus church. I don't know if that hurts you. I don't know if you need to find another home. But I got to tell you what's on my heart. God has called us to a region and not just to a city. And we are called to the San Antonio area hill country. I can tell you this calling because it came to me eight years ago. You can't question the calling because I got it from God. And it was not to a city, it was to a region. And God's called us to plant more churches around the hill country. And there are places in this hill. Comfort, Texas needs a life-giving, spirit-filled church. Fredericksburg, Texas needs a life-giving, spirit-filled church. Kerrville, Texas needs a life-giving, spirit-filled church. Are you with me, everybody? Everybody can, woo! But if you're not serving and giving, we can't start more churches. That hurt. You got to have vision for what's next. You got to have vision.
So this message, I got 15 minutes. I spent the, my first 15 minutes just convincing you that you got to do it. Now I got to tell you how to do it. This message is for everybody who feels like you want more in your life. You need fresh vision. Now listen, let me talk to all the, all the perfect people. Some of you are married to them. If you're the best of the best, if you are first class, star athlete, most popular, best looking, there's good news. Look at me. God can still use you, <laughs> okay? <laughs> God can still use you. But he specializes in using ordinary people just like me. He may use a superstar, but he specializes in using ordinary people. I want to talk to people today who believe I'm not special. I don't really, I don't, I've never been voted best looking or most capable or most likely to succeed. But I do know that I was born for purpose, that God gave me something, that he created me to do something that's eternal. And, and God's calling me to more. If that's you, this message is dedicated to you. That you know that you know that God is calling you to more. That God has something on your life. That God has vision for your life. And if you know that, i got to warn you of something. When God uses you, it will always cost you something. Say amen to that. This is the flip side that nobody likes. This is the other side of the prosperity gospel. This is the other side of God can do anything. This is the same coin, opposite side. That God can do anything, use anybody, has purpose, but it will cost you something. You will pay a price greater than you can imagine. There'll be pain. There'll be agony. There'll be rejection. There'll be heartache. There'll be failure. There'll be long... This is my recruitment speech everybody there'll be loneliness there'll be doubt they'll be discouraged you may stand alone people won't understand people will criticize you people will misunderstand you people will mock you but when your sacrifice makes an eternal difference it's worth every price that you pay that my life mattered and God used me to make a difference that I didn't just get up one day and consume and take and breathe and go to bed and do that for 50 years and live my life for me, that it may have hurt, it may have been hard, it may have been lonely, but God used me to make a difference in this world. Shout amen to that. When your sacrifice makes a difference, never think about how much it costs you because your world is better because you took a risk and a step of faith and you obeyed God. Somebody like that happened in the Old Testament. It's an ordinary guy named Nehemiah. I don't have time to preach this whole story to you. But in 587 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians, they conquer Israel, Jerusalem. They destroy the temple. A few decades later, a group of people go back to Jerusalem to try to rebuild. And, and there's no leadership. And, and By the way, there's no team it's why we can't start another campus till the team. It's why we can't start another service until the team. Because these, these Jews go back to Jerusalem and try to rebuild Jerusalem without a team. There's no leadership structure. And about 140 years go by, and this ordinary guy named Nehemiah, he's not a pastor, he's not a priest, he's not a warrior, he's not a contractor. He don't even have a verified account on Twitter. He's the cupbearer to the king of Persia. Let me stop here and tell you, quit waiting on a position and start working in your passion. Stop waiting on an anointing to fall on you and some magic thing. Stop waiting on somebody to lay hands on you and just go get your hands dirty winning people to Jesus. Nehemiah says somebody's got to do something. Might as well be me. Somebody's got to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild. Might as well be me. So how did Nehemiah find vision and how will you? Well, you got to write fast because I got a lot of things to tell you and the time's clicking. Number one, 
Nehemiah sought God continually. And if you're, if you're going to have vision for your life, you're going to have to learn how to seek God for yourself. Nehemiah prays 12 different times in the story of Nehemiah in God's word. He prays big prayers. And he prays, most theologians believe, he hears from God about Jerusalem uh, somewhere around November or December, and it's four months before he actually goes back to Jerusalem. Four months of praying and fasting. And you think 21 days is hard. And he takes four months to hear from God. You need to learn how to seek God for yourself. You need to learn how to find a prayer room in your own house. You need to learn how to get on your knees in a service. You need to learn how to turn around at your chair, come to the altar, and go, God, I need some direction for my life. Here's two prayer mistakes that we make. Let me tell you why. You may not have vision for your life. Our prayers are too small, and our prayers are too general. God, just bless me. You're 45 years old, been serving the Lord for 30 years, and you're still praying. Now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, three of y'all are saved. Three people. You need to pray bigger prayers than God just bless my kids, bless my marriage, bless me God, help me with work. Help me God, just help, help me right now God. Our prayers are too small and too general. You are undercutting the power of God in your life to do big things in your life. General prayers, write this in your notes, general prayers don't move God to specific actions. General prayers, bless me, God. God goes, okay, you're blessed. If you're saved, you're a part of the covenant of Abraham. Abraham's seed's blessed. You've been blessed the moment you got saved. So you got anything else for me? Well, bless my kids. Okay, your kids are saved. The moment they got saved, they got in this covenant that I blessed Abraham. I promised to bless his seed. So they're blessed. Do you have anything else? If you don't pray specific prayers, God is asking for specific and big. You got to have faith to believe that God can do things that would otherwise be impossible without God's intervention. You need to pray big prayers that when people look at your life, your business, your family, your marriage, your finances, they go, only God could have done that. Only God could have answered that prayer. Only God could have gave you those children. Only God could have fixed that situation. Only God's hand on your life. You couldn't, you're not smart enough. You're just an old boy from eastern Arkansas. There's no way you're, you know, you can't even... You can't even read. You, you, you didn't have the education for this. You didn't have the training for this. How did it happen? I prayed big, specific, faith-filled prayers, and God showed up in my life. You gotta pray, you gotta seek God. I want to pray big, faith-filled, passionate prayers because nothing is too big for God's power, and nothing is too small for God's concern. Thank you. I think it is too. Nothing's too big for God's power. Don't, don't kneel down at the altar time today and just say, God, bless my family, bless my wife, bless my husband. Say, God, my husband needs help with his anger. Deliver him. Set him free. God, my wife needs help with his hurt from her past. Heal her heart. Pray big. Seek God continually. Here's the second thing Nehemiah did you're going to have to do. You got to define the vision clearly in your life. You got to have clearly defined vision. For most people, it's not that you don't care, it's that you don't have clarity. It's not that you don't care, it's that you don't have clarity. The king asked Nehemiah. Nehemiah goes to the king 
and says, hey, I want to go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the wall. And the king asked Nehemiah, what can I do? What can I do? Listen to me. When, when God asks you, what do you want me to do? When, when somebody comes to you and says, tell me the vision for your life, you better have an answer. One of my biggest fears as a leader and as your pastor is that I wouldn't have vision for the answer of, now what? Somebody challenged me one time and said, you believe God can financially give your church a breakthrough? I said, yeah, I believe God can do anything. He said, do you believe God can give you a million-dollar donor, that somebody that God would bless them and they'd write a million dollars to further the kingdom? I said, yeah, I believe God can do that because I really do believe God can do that. And then he looked at me and said, well, if they came to you and said, I have a million dollars, I want to I advance the kingdom, do you have vision for what you would do with a million dollars? I don't know that I did. And it was challenging to me to say, i got to define the vision clearly. By the way, if you've got it, i got vision. Just ask me after service. Verse number four, verse number five, Nehemiah two, if it pleases the king and if your servants found favor in his sight, here's what I want you to do. Send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. I, he, didn't, he didn't hem haul around. He didn't kick sand. He didn't say, well, I'd like to if you thought about, I don't know, king, maybe one day I'd like to. I've been thinking, been dreaming. One day I'd like to if you could just have tired and the letters and I don't know, what do you think? No, he said, King, here's what God's put in my heart. I want to go back to Jerusalem. I want to build the, re, the, the city back. Here's what I need. you got to send me to Judah so I can rebuild the city. you got to define and clearly state the vision of God. I want to get out of debt by the end of 2023. I want to give $100,000 to world missions. I want to tell my personal testimony to every person that graduates in my, in my senior class. you got to define what God can do in your life. You cannot do it if you don't have clarity of vision in your life. Say amen to that. You've got to have people will not follow. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past. They won't follow and you'll stay frustrated with what could have been in your life if you don't clearly have vision. But this is what God can do in my marriage. This is what we want to see in our home. This is what I want to see God do through my children. This is the vision of God in my life. Are you still there? Say amen. Here's the third thing. I've only got seven. I don't have seven. <laughs> I'm lying. Y'all got tight though, didn't you? Everybody got tight up in here when I said seven. Number three, you got to make plans carefully. Make plans carefully. Where's all my planners at? Where's all my spontaneous? Fly by the, y'all are married to each other. Almost always. You got to make plans carefully. A goal without a plan is just a wish. Verse six, then the king, I love this, with the queen sitting beside him. I love that. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long, listen to this, watch this. He asked Nehemiah, how long will your journey take? When will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Everybody say, I set a time. Get you a calendar and set a time. I want to do it by here. I want to get out of debt by this date. I want to write that book by this date. I want to start that business by this date. I want to go to counseling by this date. I want to start a family on this date. I want to get married by this date. Set a time. I want to pray every day from now till this date. I want to read my Bible through from now to the end of the year. Set a time. Verse 7, I also said to him, if it pleases the king, I love this. I love that Nehemiah had more vision than the king asked for. When God comes to you and says, what do you want me to do in your life? You better have more vision. 
Because the king, listen, look at me, the king has more to give than you're asking for. I wish I had time to preach. The king has more to give than you have been asking for. So I said a time, verse 7, I also said to him, <laughs> since I have you, king, if it pleases the king, could you write letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that when I, when I go through there, they'll provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah, verse 8. And, and, then, and then also, king, since I've got you, may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so he gives me timber. <laughs> king, you didn't offer, but I'd like to have some money and wood to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple for the city wall and the residence that I'll occupy. And look at this. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. Vision will open doors for you you didn't know existed. Vision will give provision to your life you didn't know God wanted to give. Vision will set clear some things that have been cloudy for you. Vision will set course on places that feel disorienting to you. I'm preaching to people in this service who, who feel like you have zigged and zagged your way through life. And the Bible says, this is a promise from the Lord, that He will make all of your crooked ways straight. If you have a plan... You'll get the protection of God and you'll get the provision of God. Let me ask you a question in closing. What is it in your life that you're complaining about that you haven't planned for? What are you complaining to God about that you haven't planned for? Well, we don't have this and we don't have that. Well, did you plan for this and that? Life moves at the speed of your choices, my friends. So decide. If you're going to start a ministry, find out what everybody's doing. Have a meeting. Take a tour. Get some questions. If you want to lead a small group, come to Wednesday night, our small group leader rally. Ask the questions. Figure it out. If you have an idea, search it online. Find an online class. Find a master class. Find a mentor. Write a business plan. Listen to a podcast. If you're single today and you want to get a date, I'm just helping you. I just wrote this down. Take a bath. <laughs> Sell your PlayStation. Buy. Go to Target. That's where all the girls are. <laughs> number four this really is my last one I really did have four for you you gotta move forward if you're gonna have vision in your life you gotta move forward everybody shout passion God's been working on me about this word passion 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 what's coming in your life listen to me I'm not a prophet of doom but what's coming is opposition and discouragement and distraction and fatigue because when you have vision it always is met with a fight and Nehemiah gathers a bunch of people even before the work begins and he inspires them with passion look at me if it doesn't move you it will not move them and it may not move God let me say that again if it doesn't move you then it won't move them and it may not move God you got to have some passion. We are in a listless society. As a matter of fact, psychologists have said since COVID, there's actually a word that they've diagnosed our whole generation. By the way, I reject the label that they've given us. But they diagnosed the entire COVID generation with the word languishing. That we're just, that we're quiet quitting and laying back and getting discouraged and depression set in. And I'm good. And I don't have to wear clothes to Walmart. I can just go in my pajamas. 
Not y'all. Second service people, they... I like working from home. I don't want to go to the office ever again in my whole life. And we're languishing and we're getting smaller and there's no passion. In Jesus' name, I reject laziness and lackadaisical living off of you and we will be a people of passion. If God's going to have vision, if God's, if God loves you enough to put purpose on the inside of you, the least you could do is open your eyes up on a Monday and say, I can't believe I get to do this. I can't believe God's hands on me. I can't believe God's blessed me with this family, this house, this job. Get passion in your life. Have passion for spiritual things. Have passion for life. Have passion for healthy relationships. Have passion for ministry. Have passion for your family. Have passion for prayer. Get passion back on the inside of you because passionate people change the world. Passionate people Listen to me. Passionate people change the world, but passive people complain that the world's moving on. They look at their college classmates and they go, how'd they make it? They look at other couples in church and think, how did they make it? Passion. They look at other ministries and think, why is God blessing them? Passionate people change the world. I could call you to anything today on this Vision Sunday. It would be to be a people of passion. Come to church full of passion. Come to church. If you don't like it exciting, this is not your church. That's okay. It's all right. I've got some very, very, very boring churches to send you to. But this is a passionate church. This is a church full of believers who believe God for the impossible. We worship with passion. We pray with passion. We give with passion. We serve with passion. Because passionate... Nehemiah stands up. This is my last scripture. And he says this in verse 17. Then I said to them... Them, by the way, is the team of people he built to rebuild. It's the dream team. Who says, it's not okay that people are going to hell in comfort. It's not okay that people are going to hell in pharaohs. It's not okay that my neighbor doesn't know God. It's not okay that my cul-de-sac is ravaged with alcoholism. It's not okay. It's not okay that my cousin's lost and far from God. It's not okay that my spouse doesn't come to church anymore. It's not okay. And he assembles a dream team and Nehemiah says to them, You see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem is in ruins. Gates have been burned with fire. And then that passion boils up and he says, Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. And then I told them, by the way, God's hands on us. This Vision Sunday as we head into the fall, as I preach from from now, honestly, from now till Easter Sunday, I'm going to preach my socks down for lost people to come to church, for lost people to know God, for lost people to be in relationship with Jesus. I'm going to preach with everything that we're going to plan, our team, our staff. We're going to hire staff. We're going to grow. We're going to start groups. Why? So that people will find freedom because too many people are bound. Do you know we have more addiction in Kendall County than in other counties because we have means to provide for meth addiction? and you know this? Cocaine, crack addiction. It's, you say, well, we moved out here to get away from all that. No, you moved out here with people who could afford all that. Not in my neighborhood, in your cul-de-sac. People need freedom. God didn't call them. He called you. 
God didn't call the person you sat beside. He called you to help people discover their purpose. Don't just sit back and be a spectator this fall. Be a participator. Discover the purpose of God on the inside of you. Let passion grow on the inside of you. And then get in the army of difference makers. Stand to your feet. I got to go. team tells me if I start a third service, I have to preach shorter. I told them to sing shorter. <laughs> I'm kidding. Open your hands before the Lord. Father, I pray for vision. Fresh vision. Fresh passion. God, there are people in church today who've lost vision for their families, lost vision for their children, lost vision for hope. Maybe they feel hopeless wandering aimlessly through life. What do I do now? What do I do for a job? What do we do now? Heartbroken. There are people in this building right now that are heartbroken. You've walked through, you've walked through a dark season. I'm, I'm, this is prophetic in your life. You've walked through a, the darkest season of your life and you think, I, I can't keep dreaming because what if it dies again? Dream again. Have vision again. Get up again. Walk again, try again, move forward again, pray again, fast again, get in relationship again, start again, have fresh vision. Father, I pray for, for couples. If you're standing by your spouse, take you by the hand, have vision for your marriage. We're going to make it. We're not giving up. We are not giving up. We are not giving up. Have vision. I, here's what I want to be as an old person with you. Have vision for your children, your grandchildren. God's going to bless my family to the third generation. Hazel and Henry are going to raise world changers. The third generation of roses are going to be absolute, earth-shaking world changers. I got vision for where we're going. Have vision for ministry. Have vision for your lost friends and family members this fall. Have vision for your community, the people who are closest to you that are far from God. Have vision for your church. Have vision for your life. Father, in Jesus' name, baptize us with fresh vision. Come on, let him speak to you. Come on, let him tap you on the shoulder. It's not over. The word of the Lord on Wednesday night of revival was it's not over. It's not over. It is not over. Dream again. Have vision again. Pioneer again. Start again. Try again. Hope again vision again if you've never given your heart to the Lord you can put your hands down if you've never given your heart to the Lord it starts there I want to help you know God today if you say pastor I'm one of those people who are close but far I feel like I'm here but I'm really not connected to God in any real way I want that life giving empowering relationship I want the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of me maybe you've walked away from God Backslid. Been a while since you've given your heart to the Lord. Cold. Life's happened. You're in a safe place today to just come home. If you're prodigal today and you think, man, I just it's safer at my father's house. I'm ready to repent, turn my life over to God. I want to lead you in a simple prayer. As a matter of fact, you don't have to pray it alone. We'll all pray it with you. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose again. Here's the part that you got to pray from the depths of your soul. Say, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me. Wash me. 
Make me brand new. Save me today. Be the Lord of my life for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.